0: Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. We are back at it with Craig, Kyle, and Scott, present and accounted for. So we are going to jump into uh, high-sounding nonsense, a few uh, questions. Craig wasn't there. You were actually preaching at Northbridge Church, which was awesome. Um, So you weren't there when Kyle and I did the Q&A on the Sunday, so you might have some thoughts. Well, you might. You do have some thoughts on... uh, on those questions, but we had a few extras we'll jump into, um, and maybe we'll get, have some time, probably not, but uh, jump into soundtracks, this new series we started, and just dealing with mental health, and what's running through our mind, what's on repeat, Um, but if not, we'll jump into that next week, but I do got to say, the undefeated Gonzaga watch, um, we watched it, I don't know, Craig, did you watch? I actually did watch it. You did watch the Duke game? Yeah, I watched, I watched
1: it on the airplane, actually.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Sam and Katie were at our house, so we were
1: sitting there glued to the screen.
0: Sam and Katie were at your house? Yep. Oh, that's fun. Did you guys, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? We we're catching up on the podcast here with some family talk. <laughs> Did you, because you weren't feeling good.
2: Yeah, but we went over to Jeremy and Nary's anyway, because okay. they'd all had the creep and crud themselves, so we all just hung out together.
0: Just got that herd immunity yep. going on.
2: Yep, it was a great time. We had an enjoyable time with them, and then the next day, Sam and Katie sh- showed up at our house, because they'd been in town at... His brothers for Thanksgiving. All right. Surprise to us. It's like, yeah, come on over.
0: Cool. Well, just to wrap up the Zags thing. So they're not undefeated anymore. Yeah. I blame you. They got defeated.
1: You blame me. Yeah. Because I, I started cause, yeah, the you're, watch? Your high sounding nonsense that you come out with, with, <laughs> and then it's like, it's, you know?
0: I was the only guy in the country yeah. watching them be an undefeated mm-hmm. team. You just you calling got it out?
1: Yeah, your pride came before the fall. And, I know. had
0: nothing to do with their lack of <laughs> defense and their
1: lazy passing. I agree. I, that was zero. But you oversold yeah, it. There was some
2: sloppy ball handling. Oh, they would
1: turn a... the ball over a stupid amount, and they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but you
0: the the upside there's a this is a really good thing actually. One they played a, they played a decent game against Duke was playing out of their mind. They only lost by three. Neutral floor. It felt like a March game in November. So it was pretty cool and to watch. I mean obviously I'd like them to win. But now cuz you look at the schedule and you go who else was going to beat them before March.
1: And then Duke, Duke lost this week.
0: Well yeah, yeah, we're, Duke lost to an unranked Ohio State team Tuesday. So,
1: <laughs>
0: pride for fall thing, I think for them anyways. I
1: think both of the both teams were exhausted cuz Zag's didn't play that great against Tarleton State. No. I think that game took a lot out of both teams. They were so flat. it doesn't surprise me that Duke lost. We almost Zag's almost lost. They could have lost that game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They was too tight. But now they don't have to answer, hey, you're undefeated, blah, 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 all those questions through the whole season. Because most likely, I mean, they may slip up. There may be somebody in conference who's, you know, they're not afraid if they run into a, a San Francisco or even a Santa Clara or St. Mary's. Like, they can play at home. They can, they can get beat. Um, but the chances of them getting beat through the rest of the year is still slim. So – it's good to not have that monkey on your back, all that conversation. Now they can just go be national champions. They'll be like 36 and one, and nobody will care about the one. They'll be national champs. So right. I'm fine. So that's the upside. I'm glad you're fine. Yeah. I mean, it's better than losing to Tarleton State, beating Duke, and then losing to, you know, Tarleton State. So, anyways, your Thanksgiving, you're Thanksgiving. You were out of town.
1: I was. I was in uh, Mickey's house, the house in, of the mouse. House of the mouse. I was in <laughs> Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. My wife and I took a trip down there with our friends and just...
0: Was it happy? It was very happy. Oh, good.
1: It was, my wife loves it. I love it. Um, yeah, it was And cool. Thanksgiving Day, you were in... In Disneyland. In Disneyland. Yeah, ca- What's Disney's, that like? Disney's California Adventure on Wednesday and uh, Disneyland on Thursday. It was packed. Lots of people and their families in town going, hey, we should go to Disneyland. There's tons of people do there.
0: Do they do any Thanksgiving decorations? It's or all they, Christmas. They start Christmas, yep. yeah. So
1: it, it's the Christmas season. I, they start right before um, Thanksgiving. They go all the way to the new year. They do Christmas. And so there's a few rides that they have. Um, they they make over. So like uh, Haunted Mansion, they do Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, the Tim Burton movie Yeah, thing. Tim Burton movie thing. So they change that out. Um, there's a giant tree. The castle gets a whole makeover. They do a holiday fireworks show, which, unfortunately, we didn't get to see because it was too windy. So oh, they, gee. They said it wasn't safe. Safe? Them they didn't want to burn the
0: state down? Up in the, up in the
1: air. That's a bit bad PR if you're Disneyland and you cause a bunch of fires <laughs> yeah. in the neighborhoods around you. It was actually pretty windy. windy. Those, uh, the Santa Anas, as they say, down there in the old SoCal, it was pretty windy. But it's funny because the park's so protected that it's like you don't really feel it when you're in there. And then you walk back to your hotel and you're like, oh, man, there's like palm fronds everywhere. It was really windy, but so that's unfortunate. But they do a few little Christmassy things, and it's all decorated. And um, so, yeah, it was it was a whole lot of fun. Did you get like a turkey leg for no, Thanksgiving? Kenny kept talking about it. My buddy, he's kept being like, "Wow, I shouldn't. It's Thanksgiving. Know, Let's I get know. a turkey leg. Let's you know, spend eighteen dollars on a turkey leg." I had leg. a corn dog. A corn dog <laughs> for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. not that corn dogs are actually really good?
0: Well, I imagine they're good. It's just when you're trying to compare it to Thanksgiving dinner, and you're yeah. like, I had a corn dog. Mm-hmm. And Thanksgiving Dole dinner. Whip. Got lots of Dole whip. Churro.
1: Lots of churros. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're covered. That's good yeah. then. You're fine. That's like Thanksgiving meal. All the best parts. So uh let's jump in here. Uh high sounding nonsense. And uh we've been, it feels like we've been on this for, for quite a while. Because I think we have.
1: We've been on it here in the podcast, obviously Sunday mornings, but the conversations even before that, this was one of those those things that obviously took a lot of you know. Digesting and thinking about and talking about so we've been on it for quite a while even longer than we've been talking about it But
0: yeah, so Craig do you have anything to weigh in or Kyle to add to what we've already said about a Lot of the questions were around this big idea of how do you help somebody? How do you help a family member a friend who's captured by caught up in some sort of nonsense? How do you you know? Talk talk about your faith Maybe they're a believer. Maybe they claim to be a Christian. And you're like, that's not, that's not a Christian. That's not Jesus' way. Or maybe they're a non-believer. Like, they're, they're obviously captured by some high-sounding nonsense about how life works. So how do, you, how do you explain your faith, talk about them, maybe confront them more directly or not? So and that, that was a common theme through a ton of questions. So what, what do you guys have to say, add to, or Craig, your thoughts?
2: Well, one of the most important things to do is, is to pray for them, of course. Um, you know it 's somebody you love somebody you care about somebody whose eternity matters to you and and so prayer is is obviously the first and most important thing if you're going to engage them in conversation I, I think the one of the best things you can do is just avoid all of the uh, peripheral conversations around you know a lot of times people will say well what about this and what about that and and they'll get off on a tangent and get you know really deep in the weeds on some aspect of whatever it is that person believes but but if you can, to, to the extent that you can, if you can control the conversation uh, and keep recentering it around Jesus, who is he? What, what are you going to do with the empty tomb? Uh, who who do you think Jesus is? It, Jesus, in fact, I was just listening to something this morning, and it referenced Matthew 16. Jesus did this with the disciples. He said, yeah, so what? who do people say that I am? And they had all kinds of answers. And, and today in our world, people have all kinds of answers. Who do you say Jesus is? Oh, he was, you know, he was, Pretty good man. Or I don't think he even ever lived. And there are all kinds of answers. But then Jesus redirected the question at, at the disciples, and he said, who do you say that I am? And when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he says, all right, that's what I'm going to build my church on is, is getting, the, getting it right about who Jesus is. So as much as you can, you know, the, people will bring up Old Testament stuff. Well, what about the flood and creation and evolution? And do you really believe the book of Revelation? You know, they can go all over the map on... And and not that those things aren't important to talk about, but if you're concerned with somebody who's caught up in some high-sounding nonsense, getting down to the core of who Jesus is and who they believe that he is, that's where the conversation needs to be centered.
1: Yeah, and and we talked about that, answering the question, and I I even, as re-looking at at it, Scott, to answer your question, what did we maybe leave out or more that we would have had, the second half of that, that question that we specifically answered had to do with, how do you do all this, In a sensitive way without hurting them more or turning them further away from, you know, Jesus or God or religion or Christianity or, um, you know, how do you push them deeper into what they believe that we, you know, see as high-sounding nonsense. And I had some conversations with some people after, like, you know, like, hey, what do I do with the the blowhorn guys on the street, right? Like, they're they're just yelling at people and making people think that Christians are crazy and wacko, and there was a guy right outside Disneyland, and Lindsay and I walking back to the hotel, and we just look at each other. And luckily, he wasn't, I mean, he was actually kind of being nice. I mean, he was preaching the gospel. He wasn't, like, turn or burn. But he's, and we're just still like, I don't, that's not that effective, bro. Like, I, I get what you're trying to do, but telling people how much God loves them on the street corner as they're trying to get through the crosswalk. Maybe, I don't know. But, like, you know, then there's the people that are just like, you're going to hell. Jesus hates you because you're a sinner and a fornicator, and, and so that's in this question. That's the people going like, "Yeah, that's just pushing people further away from Jesus. It's not an accurate representation of the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus." So how can we do all of these things? Because I think an easy tendency to slip into is to very argumentative and tell why we think you're wrong and what you believe. And so let me tell you where you're right. And that's where I think it becomes really harmful, in in the place that it's not loving and caring and gracious. Like, I want to talk to you about Jesus because I love you and I care about you. And, I, and I've and i I've seen what he's done in my life and in countless other people's life and what he can do in your life. Um, let's deal with what that means for you instead of what you believe about Noah or Moses or whatever. I mean, those are cool things and they'll, they'll probably get there eventually. But start with Jesus and um, the spiritual battle that's going on there and get that right.
0: Yeah. We've referenced 2 Corinthians 10 quite a few times, but that's you know, one of the places that is clear, you know, Ephesians six clear, Hey, this is a spiritual battle. We're, we're humans. We're not waging war as humans do, even though we're having personal interactions and we're having you know conversations as people understanding there's a spiritual dynamic. So that's where I made the point looking for receptive people and receptive moments. We don't have to talk to everybody every single time. You didn't talk to the guy at the corner of Disneyland, right? No. Yeah, so you're like, it's but not our goal or our mission to like, I'm going to engage every single person. Like, bro, your approach is wrong. Who are you talking to? Like, you don't have to correct that person on their approach or engage in every high-sounding nonsense conversation that you see during the day. Because if you did and you're like on social media, you would do nothing else. Like, it's everywhere. Once you start it, to become aware,
1: you're like, oh, this is this is prevalent. But I, I didn't talk to that guy, but I did have a conversation with the guy in the hot tub that night who was just... he. He was, really just boisterous, like just really energetic guy. Wanted to know everything about everybody's life, and that seems
0: inappropriate for like nighttime chill. Yeah. We spent all day I mean, Disneyland. He was, we're he in a hot tub, bro.
1: Calm down. I mean, yeah, he was hyped. Just in uh, <laughs> this is a chill zone, adult so he's time. Like, what do you guys all do? And Kenny, my buddy, and I were in there, and we we're like, he's like, Kenny's like, yeah, we're both pastors. And he's like, oh, sorry for dropping the f bomb a bunch, because he was dropping the f bomb a bunch. I'm like, you're fine, man, and then. You're going to hell, man. (laughs) And then he's going through all the stuff and the military experience. I just, I mean, wanted to tell everybody everything about him. And then, like, a couple conversations started. He looked over to us and was just like, I mean, wanted to have this deep conversation about God. And, well, I'm I'm not going to heaven because I've done some bad stuff. But, you know, my kids, I want them to go. And it was a moment that we could just talk about, yeah, man, it's not about good. And have this, like, really meaningful Jesus conversation with him in the hot tub at 10 o'clock at night. In Anaheim, California. Uh,
0: yeah, because he's a receptive person. Yeah. He's bringing it up. He's got questions and being on the ready. What would you say to Craig as you were talking? Maybe somebody listening in would go, I don't know, Craig. I don't have a lot of the answers. You know, like I'm not an apologist as you're talking about explaining your faith and engaging with people and, and talking about who is Jesus. And then, then you just start asking all of these questions to other people and they're like, they'll probably ask you back, well, why do you believe that? Who do you think Jesus is? And you're like, ah, right? You know what I mean? If you, some people, it holds them back from asking, Like, well, what about the empty tomb? And how do you reconcile like the resurrection and the ascension? And, and if people feel intimidated sometimes because they're like, I'm not an apologist, so I don't know if I should ask those questions because I don't know, I've, I have confidence on those answers. What do you say to help folks that are maybe feeling that?
2: Yeah, um, that's a good question. And I know that that's a real... Um cause for people to be hesitant to engage other people in conversation because they're afraid they'll get into, you know, a place where they're just in over their head. And, and I always tell people, I said don't worry about what you don't know. Just focus on what you do know. God never, never wanted us to, you know, be, be the master of all biblical truth and, you know, be the answer man for other people. He just wants us to share our story he wants us to tell what we do know, tell what we have experienced, tell who Jesus is to us. And, and if we just stick with that, we're going to be fine. Um, and, and we can be honest. You know, people, people say, well, why do you believe what you do? And, and we can answer and say, well, there's why I believe that. Well, is that really in the Bible? Show me. And, well, I'm not real sure. I, I can look into it. I'll get back to you. Um, or, or maybe we do know. But to be honest and say, I don't have all the answers, but I, this is what I know. You know, what I love is, uh, one of the examples of this is, is the story in uh, John chapter 11 about the blind man who's healed, and he keeps getting questioned by the Pharisees, well, what about this and what about this and, you know, why, why do you say that? And he's, and then the parents get questioned as well, and, and every time their response is pretty simple, it's like, well, I don't know the answer to that question, but what I do know is this, well, I don't know what to say about that, but what I have experienced is this, I was blind and now I see. Uh, the parents like, well, I don't know what to say about Jesus. I can't answer your theological question, but I do know this. That's our son, and he was blind, and now he can see. And he says that the guy named Jesus is the one responsible for his being able to see. They, they, They just stuck to the story. They stuck to the facts, what they did know, and didn't have to feel any pressure to get off into the theological realms that the Pharisees were trying to get them into. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Just stick with what you do know and what you have experienced
1: so good i was gonna go there if you didn't because that's that's where i always go We're with students all the time right where they're growing up in their faith and they go i don't know all the answers and you know people have these really um well crafted arguments about what they believe about the bible and science or contradictions or history and, and they're like i don't know how to even I, I don't think they're right but i don't know how to argue that yeah, like, yeah you don't have to try to argue that because yeah. they can't argue your story they can't be like no nah, it's not true it's like and this is where i've been and i was low even like i was lonely and now i'm accepted and, and i have a belonging and and relationship and love and acceptance from my from a heavenly father like you can't argue that like no you don't like, yeah i actually do i was blind and now i see you know yep. and that's what the Pharisees kept trying to do well what about you know and i don't know are you really are you really can you really see yep i can see were you really blind yeah my parents can vouch for it i was blind and now i see and it was jesus and if we focus on that and then fill in the blanks as we go, I'm, yeah, that's...
2: I th- I think I just misspoke, by the way. I think that's okay. John 9. Uh, it's With the
1: the blind guy?
2: Yeah, the blind guy. John 11 is Lazarus being raised from the dead. But anyway.
0: Well, we've got Bibles around here. Yeah. We can look that up real quick. I was going to say I 100% agree, and we should definitely focus in on what we do know and not what we don't know, and that way we have confidence to know that we could engage in a conversation and I don't have all the answers either. It's nobody does. Um, and to be clear and confident on the things that we are certain about, even if it's like, I'm not sure, man, I got that. I got that question too, but I don't know any other way to like have life and peace that transcends what I'm going through and tragedies and disease. You know, do you have those answers in life? Have you found something that helps you have tremendous peace and confidence when you're going through a tragedy in your family? You don't know I mean to not be the, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, be a jerk about it, but I think when you have receptive people, receptive moments. unfortunately, it's a lot of times when life sucks. You're going through a hard time, a trauma, mm-hmm. there's tragedy going on, there's a disease, there's something that's just unexplainable, and you're like, who do I turn to? What do I turn to for help? That's when a lot of times people are really receptive, and so
2: absolutely, if you're
0: having these conversations, a lot of times it's around, yeah... I, Yeah, going through a divorce is horrific. It's, you know, there's a no win situation here. But um, I just know a God who, you know, can turn everything out for good, even though he's not behind the bad. So, but the other thing is, these conversations do help us grow our faith. And if you have hypothetical conversations in your head, like, oh, I don't know, what if somebody did ask me fill in the blank this question? I don't know the answer. You need to go get that answer. Go you dig it to, out. You yep. need to grow in your faith. You need yep. to have confidence. 1 Peter three fifteen says this. Um, uh, I'll just jump in, 15. It says, instead, again, I don't know what the instead is. We don't dive into it. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. There you go. And... And uh, sometimes people on the side of the street or me personally, I forget that verse 16, do it in a gentle and respectful way. But do have an answer. Do have a reason for your hope. Not all the answers, but helping. It. what motivates us is you jump into these conversations and you kind of get stuck and you say, I'm not sure. Can I, let me get back to you. That's a great question. I want to mm-hmm. think about that. And then do that work to grow your faith, learn things, ask people that you're in community with. Um, Because if you just kind of stick with, I don't know, Jesus is the answer. I don't know, Jesus, like, you got to mature in your faith. Yeah. Because your faith won't be strong. If you don't continually grow, then when you personally bump into a tragedy, you know, crisis, something, you're going to be like, I don't know, is God really my provider? Does he really have eternal life? And you could get captured into some high-sounding nonsense if you just kind of, I don't know, this is the answer I've had for 30 years and... I kind of just stick there. Yeah, and, and we, not talk, that we Jesus is there's no you know Jesus is the <laughs> Jesus is always the right answer, but the depth of that um, needs to be
1: continually growing. Yeah, because we talked about that a little bit, right? Is the why I, I don't know because Craig said so and he's smart. Yeah, uh, I heard Scott, it once. I heard it on this podcast. These guys said it, or you know, my parents have told me that growing up. I read the, it you, in G- so yeah. and so's book. Yeah. Jesus loves me. I don't know because my parents said so. Or that's what that's what my dad's told me my entire life and yeah, having that understanding of why do you believe what you believe? And you should really get down because if you don't have an answer for that and you don't put that so deep in who you are, like you say, Scott, like, I don't know why I believe that. Maybe I don't believe that because it's just such a shallow surface level. So those two things are, are both, they're not mutually exclusive. They're both equally important to understand. Yes, don't have to have all the answers. Jesus is enough. I was blind now, I see. But then also, yeah, I need to have a depth and a yeah. foundation to who I am and why I believe what I believe, if I want to be mature.
0: Because we don't have the rest of that guy's story. What do he do after that conversation, that moment? Like he's a seeing guy now. I bet he dove into who Christ is and oh, yeah. to find out who Jesus is. He and didn't. And
2: if he didn't, it was to his own peril. I mean, he, he, correct. Yeah. But
0: could you imagine not? Oh, like I who is this I, guy? No, I just I, I just received sight. For I'd be throwing sure. him
2: around like a puppy dog.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean. Yeah, for sure he is, right? I mean, we'll find out later in heaven. We'll be like, <laughs> for sure can we go is. back to the tapes on that one? Wouldn't you? If you, I would, would, you would, nah, like,
1: I'd be like, nah, good, I got my side, I'm that's, good. That's Thanks, the
0: point I'm making. He didn't just ride that story for the next thirty years. You're like, like, who's this Jesus? I don't know, but one day I couldn't see. Now I can see, and I didn't ask any more questions. You what? He didn't ride that story. Come on now, he would be like, who is this Jesus? What are you teaching? What else do you got? You're talking about sight. Now you're talking about eternal life. Like, I, I mean, for sure, he has to be. Let's jump in before we run out of time. Some of these other questions that we didn't get to. We did get this, a couple. We other. didn't get to them because this is what we do. We just keep going. Yeah. There's a, there's one uh, Revelation question. I think.
1: Oh, we did get a Revelation question. There. Uh, somebody had it. Uh, please explain Revelation 19.16. All right. Should we read that? Sure. I mean, there's quotes it right here. There? I mean, oh. just
0: this is what the person's question said. It says this uh, on his robe at his thigh was written this title king of all kings and lord
1: of all lords. So this this person quoted it as on his thigh was written king of kings and lord of lords written on the skin or something else is their question. So your translation says that it was written on on the robe near his thigh.
0: Yeah, but there's a little or there's a little asterisk thing he says or it could on his robe and thigh and thigh. So is the person looking for permission to get a tattoo? I don't maybe. Like some people have like, oh Jesus do you know Jesus has a tattoo? Ooh, potentially like on his thigh is written King Kings, Lord Lords. So uh, so
2: I, I don't know the person who asked the question, but I think the, the probable reason for the question has to do with some of the controversy around tattoos. Would you would you think that's uh, yeah? true?
0: I just thought it was a fun question. It's, it, it, it doesn't really fun. directly tie into like high sounding nonsense, only to the degree of like if you really try to go around. Does it deal with tattoos, uh, cult and occult activities that you would get tattooed? Like right. you know, don't mark your bodies because it's satanic. The, the worship. New American
2: Standard on that translation says on his robe and on his thigh. So mm-hmm. I mean, we we can talk all day long about well, was it on the robe on the thigh? Is it on the skin? Does it matter? It would was be just the a question Sharpie, I so would ask. Okay. But but here here's the thing about tattoos. Um, you know, people that are adamant against them go to the Old Testament verses that reference, um, you know, putting marks on your yeah. skin and stuff. You know, tattoos. Yeah. And what they often fail to realize is that those prohibitions were in there because of God wanting to keep the Jewish people from adopting the practices of the pagan uh, religious uh, peoples that they were going to, uh, to, to encounter.
0: Yeah, their neighbors.
2: Yeah, their neighbors, yep. um, who marked their bodies as a part of their uh, idolatrous worship. And he didn't want them doing that. To, to do it just for art's sake or just personal preference is not a spiritual issue. For the Jews, it was going to be if they adopted those practices. And God says, no, don't don't step over that line. Yeah. So it's not about the markings. It's about idolatry.
0: Yeah. And like Old Testament, God wasn't wanting them to get cozy with their neighbors because they were also uh, sacrificing their children. So it wasn't just about a tattoo or not. There was so much else oh, connected. Th- God, those God's like, don't sacrifice children. Those nations at that gods. time
2: were in deep, deep, deep yeah. depravity.
0: But to this point, I don't know if it's... On the robe or the thigh or both uh but the point is that jesus is the king of kings and he's the lord of lords so he's the ruler of everything. that is the point so,
1: what other question we got uh, excuse me this question specific- you got a frong in there uh, yeah this uh, question specifically references some scripture uh in romans 8 1 through 6 and colossians two eleven through 15 questions would be about the humanity and divinity of christ how did God accomplish our salvation in and through Him? And how can we really be forgiven of our sins?
0: Alright, let me read Romans 8, 1-6, through 6, so hang on here. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that we so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the holy spirit think about things that pleased the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And Paul, Paul goes on, and we're obviously jumping into uh, a, a huge thought that Paul has going in for the letter of Romans, um, building this case. If you, Some of you may have heard that as I was reading. Craig has been fighting some illness. He's got like a, a coffin spat. So if you're watching the video, you're like, where'd Craig go? Yeah, he's just dying. He didn't want to, didn't want to talk about he Romans eight. Yeah, he's out. It's a tough question. Oh, he's back. All right, so so their questions. Speci- I mean, there's a lot of things going on there, but their question
1: specifically around that verse and then Colossians two. later. Yeah, the I think like how did God was. accomplish salvation in and through Him? Uh, the Colossians has is a lot. I'll read the the kind of the the meat of those okay. verses. Um, starting 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them by public, shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. I think that's the the meat of what that, the message of those verses that that person was asking about and referencing. Um, In my mind, that's that's pretty clear in in the question, you know, how did God accomplish salvation? I mean, that's, I think those verses are are pretty self-explanatory. You don't need to have a Bible degree or, you know, jump into the hermeneutics and the analytics to go, you were dead in your sin, the law as Paul talks about in Romans, showed you, gave you a, a guide to show you, yeah, I, I'm I'm broken. I've done wrong things. And I look at these laws and I look at, at what God said and I'm, I'm not perfect. And God in his holiness demands perf- perfection. And he gave me a way out of that. He canceled those debts. He put them on the cross. He paid the price for them. He gave me his righteousness. And now because of Jesus, I have right standing with God and can be you know, with God in eternity forever. Mm-hmm. That's how. Again, the the, the question is, how did God accomplish that through Jesus, right there? And then, how can our sins really be forgiven because Jesus paid those that debt? Jesus yeah. gave the ultimate sacrifice.
2: Um, part of what is referenced in the Colossians passage is a practice that was common at the at the time when someone was imprisoned then the things that they did that got them in trouble and were, were the reason for their conviction and the reason that they were imprisoned, those offenses, those um, violations were written down and nailed to the door or attached to the, the cell that they were imprisoned in. And so Paul uses that reference. He, he, he When Jesus was dying which, on the cross... Which
0: we do. We have public records. You can... Yep. It used to be printed in the newspaper. I don't know if it still is, but you can go online and search public records. What are you accused of? What's your charge? Newspaper, what's that? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you know, exactly. So it's a a permanent record, county records, uh, federal records, the convictions that, you know, are are there that are part of your record. Those are the things that you were accused of, convicted of, and are guilty of. And so that list of things according to Colossians 2, was nailed to the cross. And so when Jesus is dying, he's dying for those offenses. And it's all of our sin, past, present, and future. That's an incomprehensible, incomprehensibly long list of offenses. That's the entire human race, past, present, and future. Every sin that was ever, 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 ever committed or going to be committed, he paid the price for it. It's amazing.
0: Right. And I love the the... The person is asking this question, and they are wrestling with it. It's again, Craig. To your point, it's one of those core questions. Like, how do we really know mm-hmm. that uh, a there's sin, b it needs to be dealt with, c that Jesus fully dealt with it? You know that we can have confidence in that. I mean, that's a that's a essential core of, question.
2: One of the answers to that question: How can we know for sure that our sins are forgiven? The the grave is empty. The tomb is empty, and and I I, I know that that's a, a that, that's a theological statement and, and truth, but it's that simple. If Jesus' um, payment for our sin was not sufficient, he'd still be in the grave. Right. He'd still be dead.
0: So, like, big picture, I don't have an answer to this. Is like, well, why is sacrifice and the shedding of blood needed for the forgiveness of sin? That's just the way God set it up. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a question I have. It's There's life in the blood and we get that we understand that because if you lose too much blood you can you can literally die and everything else is functioning fine so it's just part of how god's made us i think it gives us a tremendous value for life and understanding you know image bearers of god and so so god set up the system that way why if you keep asking that i don't know but he just did it's his universe he's the creator um and then the reason that we know that christ was you know, payment was in full. Uh Hebrews 2.14 helps us understand this. Since the children have flesh and blood, that be us, he too, Christ, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So he's, he became flesh so that he could shed blood for the forgiveness of sin conquering the power of of death by rising again like you were saying the tomb is empty and so it is both the death and the resurrection you know christ is no longer on the cross he's and he's no longer in the tomb and it it covers our sin um i think you said it kyle the galatians 3 says law the law was our guardian until christ came that we may be justified by faith and that doing good works and doing the law never was going to make us right. It was never God's plan. Um, it is clear through all of Scripture. God didn't set up this law system that he was like, oh, this is going to save the Israelites and all of humanity. Oh, man, they didn't make it. It's a shocker. Man, they weren't good enough. I thought they could do good enough things. Right. And if you could, it would, but nobody can. And that's where Paul's driving in Romans. He's like, verse chapter 3, he's like, hey, we've all screwed up. We've all sinned. Don't, don't don't fool yourself, but the good news is through faith in Christ we are justified. So the law was just a guardian it was um, a guide it was just pointing out the fact of how much we've screwed up once God said, don't murder, uh, you know don't steal, don't have jealousy and envy and lust in your heart you know it's like, oh well. You know, haven't covered all the laws here, Whoopsies. so need a savior for my sin.
2: That's an interesting verse in Hebrews 2.14. I just looked it up in a couple of different translations. I don't know if I've quite noticed that verse in that same way before, but when you read it, it occurred to me that, you know, that really is an interesting uh, description of the human experience, that there's that we're slaves to our fear, mm-hmm. the fear of dying yep. all of our lives. That sure came to light, didn't it, during the oh, pandemic? Oh, man. People's fear of death just came right to the surface and, and controlled them and, and dictated how they, uh, not only their emotions, but how they responded to the pandemic and, and the steps that they took and their whole take on, on the experience. Uh, it's been interesting just watching the, the human response and the people that are afraid of dying and the people that are not afraid of dying.
0: Well, that kind of wraps it up for uh high sound and nonsense. I mean, it's always prevalent and we'll we'll hit it again as we're talking about different topics, but um I think next week we'll jump into soundtracks and what's on repeat in our mind and mental health and Christ-centered thoughts versus being dominated by fear and lies and sometimes some stuff that's so, you know, tricky. It sounds like the truth, but it really isn't, and it affects our emotions and our actions and therefore our entire life. So Uh, Hopefully it was helpful for you today on a few of those extra questions, extra thoughts, uh, and hopefully you have a great week following Jesus. We'll chat with you soon.